Well, this morning we want to, I want to do a, a sort of a two-sermon series, and I'm just calling this Returning to the Basics as a Church, Our Vision and Our Values. And what we want to do for the next couple of Sundays is just, we want to we look back at why we're here, okay? Why we're here as a church. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how important it is to maintain personal physical health and personal spiritual health. That's really what we talked about. And it's important that we do a checkup every once in a while. And the same is true for the corporate body. It's, it's true for a church. It's true for this church that's called Eagles Wing. Every so often, it's a good idea to remind ourselves why we exist and what we're here for. Okay, it's, it's just, a, I mean, that's good if you're in business. That's good if you're just, if you're just a family. It's why are we here and what we exist for. And as your pastor, man, I would love for these things to be permanently imprinted on your eyelids so that every time you close your eyes, you could read these. But you know what? That ain't going to happen. That's, that's just not possible. So it's important for us to remind ourselves, to rehearse on a regular uh, occasion why we planned this church and why we're part of this church instead of another church. And there's, there are wonderful churches in this community. All over this area, there are wonderful churches, but you're here for a reason, and so we're just gonna we're gonna talk about that reason. If you study Scripture, you will find that one of the stories that is that is is it's rehearsed is literally the word. It's rehearsed over and over and over is the Exodus, over and over and over uh, the prophets. Uh, the teachers, God himself talks about how he led his people out of Egypt. They're, they rehearse that to remind themselves where they came th- from and who their God was. The reason we have to do that is because we forget. We get caught up in life and stuff and circumstances and situations and, and just regular things and we forget. It's not that we forget. It just gets put back on the back shift. What do y'all do with stuff at your house that you don't use very often? It finds its way to the back of the shelf or into the depth of the closet or it gets stacked in the barn back in the corner and it just gets forgotten. And that's what very often what happens in a church. We forget why we exist, why we were, we were planted, we were instituted, why we're here. And so, for a, today I'm going to share a few things, and, and the next time I'm here I'm going to share a few things. But King Solomon put it this way in, in Proverbs 29, 18. He said this, where there is no vision. And that word vision there means no prophetic word. Where there's no prophetic word, where there's no vision, where there's no prophetic revelation, the people perish. Or, or the King James says are unrestrained. It's the same thing. They basically wander around not knowing why or what they're supposed to be doing. And so, in other words, this verse means if we don't have something to guide us to our goal, we get lost in the process. And this church was planted, folks, out of a vision. It wasn't planted out of a, a disagreement with another church. This is, this is not a, 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 a part of a church split. This, this church was planted out of a vision. And it was birthed to, to reach an attainable goal. 
The vision of this church, the vision of Eagle's Wing, is, is very simple. And, and I think this is going to be, yeah, it's going to be on the screen. I couldn't remember, Tom. It's been a long week. We exist as a church to intimately pursue the heart of God and to intentionally provide a place of refuge where broken souls can be restored through a life-changing relationship with God and with people. And I'm going to read that again. We exist. This is why we're here. We exist as a church to intimately pursue the heart of God and to intentionally provide a place of refuge where broken souls can be restored through a life-changing relationship with God and people. The biblical basis... For our vision is an answer to a question that the Pharisees asked Jesus. They said, you know, what's the most important commandment? And this is what Jesus said. He said, you shall love. It's found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and the foremost commandment. The second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole of the law and the prophets. In other words, Jesus says, on these two commandments, the scriptures exist. If you boil the scriptures down, this is is the commandments. We exist as a church to intimately pursue the heart of God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And intentionally provide a place of refuge where broken souls can be restored through a life-changing relationship with God and people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are here, folks, to love God and to love people. And if we don't love God and we don't love people, we're wasting our time. Not only that, we'll cease to exist. Because those are the important things that we need to do that. That's it. It's simple. Okay, it's, it's not hard, it's simple, it's biblical, and it's doable. Okay, we can love God, and we can love people. This vision is the goal that Jesus Christ, I believe, has set before us. Everything we do as a body is to display our love for God, and to demonstrate His love and our love for people. That, that's it. I can say this a lot of different ways. But it means the same thing. And if we stay true to that vision... If we stay true to this revelation, we won't get sidetracked. We won't get off track and we won't get lost and can't find the track. Okay? Our vision is the goal. It's the end zone. I mean, when, when football teams play one another, they want to get into the end zone. They, they, listen, there's a hundred yards of green grass out there that they don't want to spend all day on. They want in the end zone. That's where you get the points at. And so this is, this, this is our goal. This is our end zone. This is the, the finish line, literally, where, where the prize is waiting. But we won't ever reach that goal if we don't have a plan to get there. Okay? Too many people set goals, and then they don't have steps by which they can measure their success or their failure in reaching their goal. Everything we do as a church is intended to reach that goal. Now we have uh, some steps that will get us there. Our plan includes more than just a vision. It, 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 it includes some core values. And those core values that we have, and you can, I mean, many of you 
have read those on our website. You've heard me talk about them. If you've been to a new members class, you've heard us go over those. But those core values are why we exist. They're, they're, the, they're the visible steps to reach the goal of loving people and loving God. And so for the next, you know, without a set of core values to guide us, we just wander around. We do a lot of good things, okay? We do a lot of good things. But if we don't have core values that guide us, we're going to try to be too many things for too many people. And we can't be everything. So we, can, we're, we, have, we have a set of values. We have ten. That's probably too many, but we, ha- we do have ten, okay? And so this week and, and the next time I speak, I'm going to share those with you and just talk about that. I believe God has raised us up as a church for a purpose. Okay, I don't believe we're here because, you know, somebody had an idea just to plant a church. I believe God put us here. And one of those church, one of those reasons is to be different. And by that, I don't mean strange or bizarre or off the wall, but different in that we are willing to learn how to listen to God and do what God tells us to do. Okay. I believe God's called this church to learn how to listen to. That doesn't mean that other churches don't listen, but he's called us to listen. And if we'll listen, we'll hear God speak. We'll hear God's voice. We've got to learn that. And we've got to, we've got to learn to hear it, and we've got to learn to obey it. We're not guided. We're non-denominational, okay? If, you, if you're wondering, that means we're not guided by necessarily by denomination. We're, we're not guided by a family. We, we, we really don't have any patriarchs and matriarchs that, that run this church, we're not guided by a group of deacons. We don't even have deacons, okay? Nothing wrong with deacons. We just, we don't have those. Or a religious tradition. We're guided by Jesus Christ, by the Word of God, and by His Holy Spirit, okay? We've just chosen to do that, all right? Uh, and as your pastor, I'm interested really in one thing, okay? And this is my, I want to know the heart of God. If I know the heart of God, the rest of the stuff will take care of itself. Because if I know God's heart, and I'm willing to submit myself to what's on His heart, it'll be my heart. You see, when when I learn what God's heart is, it changes my heart, and it becomes my heart. I've said this before, and I want all of God. Okay? Now, that may be pie in the sky, but that is my goal. As a believer, I want everything God has got. I don't want to miss any of it. I don't want to settle for less. I want everything He's got. And so, you know what? I've I, I've reached an age where I've learned what's important, what's not important. Okay, and a lot of the things I thought were important really aren't. There's really only one thing important. That's God's heart. And so I'm going to go after God's heart. And, and as a church, I want us, we, we've got to go after God's heart. We have ten values, core values, that, that guide us to, the, to that visionary goal of loving God and loving people. And this morning, I just want to walk through them, part of them. I want you to hear them. And I want you not just to hear them with your ears, but I want you to hear them with your heart and embrace them and allow God to write them on your heart. We can't reach this goal individually. I can't reach this goal by myself. We need each other. We need one another. We, gotta, we go as a corporate body or we don't go as all, at all, really. We, we won't ever see these things become a daily reality. 
We need each other. And that's why God's church is a body. And it's not individuals. It's a body. It's a body. Hopefully, I can share four today. And then I'll finish the other six the next time that we're together. The first five deal with loving God. Jesus said that, that that's the greatest commandment. So we're all looking. Here's what I've found in the church. Every Christian is looking for something to do. Amen? We want to work. Or most of us do. And we've been taught that you work, work, work. The reality of it is, is God wants us to be. He wants us to be. To be with Him. He'll take care of the work. But if you're looking for something to do, these core values are something that will help you do what God is calling us to do. We can love God with all our heart. And we can love people. So this morning, I'm just going to talk a little bit about four of the values. I'll get the fifth one the next time and the other, the other five. But, but this, these are about loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. All that we are. So I'm just going to start core value number one. We will actively seek an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus came and he lived and he ministered and he died to restore our relationship with God. A part of that was to redeem us from sin. But the overarching goal was to restore humanity's relationship with the Father. So that the Father could pour out his agape love on us. And that we could receive that and, and love in that manner back toward Him. He created us to be loved. Our sin separated us from God. But Jesus died in our place so that that relationship could be reestablished. Every person on this planet was created to have a relationship with God. There's nobody that's been created who, were, who was not created to have a relationship with God. Now, I don't believe God picked this one, this one, this one to have a relationship with us. He picked all of us to have a relationship. That's why he sent Jesus. Now, it's our choice whether we have that relationship. Okay, We, we, can, we can decide whether, no, I don't believe I want to do that. But God has called us as a people, as a body, as a church, to intimately seek a relationship with Jesus Christ. Every person in this room, every person outside this room, Wants to be loved. Okay? And they want to love somebody. And God created us, as, as Pascal said, with a, with a vacuum in our heart, a hole in our heart that only He can fill. And so when we go after God, when we, we seek Him with all of our heart, we find Him. Literally, as a church, we are going to pursue God, Jesus Christ, with all our heart. Heart, okay, everything we do, whether it's it's packing shoe boxes that are going all over the world, whether it's having craft night, whether it's it's going on a, a mission trip to Mexico, it, the, the main focus of that is going to be Jesus Christ. We are going to actively pursue Him. You're going to hear me talk about. I mean, you've heard me for three years talk about relationship, relationship, relationship. You're going to continue to hear me talk about relationship. If you want me to beat you to death with hell, fire, and brimstone, it's just not going to happen. Hell, fire, and brimstone is important, okay? It is important that we understand that. It's a part of the Scriptures. But you know what? If you have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have to worry about hell, fire, and brimstone. 
It's just not an issue. And so we're going to go after God. And we're going to do it with all our heart. And, if, and I say this, I'm not going to smile, but I say this in love. If you want to go after him half-hearted, you probably need to go to another church. Okay, I, I, that's not something you say when you've planted a church and you need everybody you can get. But here's the deal. We're, we're going to go full bore, okay? We're not going to halfway do it. Because halfway doing it is not doing it. It's not, it's not getting it. You won't find him. If we don't pursue him, see, genuine relationship is the result of passionate pursuit. That's true in our relationship with God. That's true in our, in our families. That's true in our marriages. That's true in whatever relationship you have. If you don't passionately go after it, it won't just happen. That's why God says in Jeremiah, he says to his people, he says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. That's, that's my life verse, okay? That's my life verse. You'll find me when you seek for me and search for me with all your heart. Not with a part of it. I'm not going to just be one of the things that you pursue. I'm going to be it or I'm going to be nothing. That's what God says. You say, well, that's pretty, he's the cre- arrogant. Well, that's, he's the creator. He can say that. Those of you who are married, how many of you ladies really don't care if your husband has a girlfriend or two? How many of you guys, I, I know I'm going to get in trouble saying this. But I mean, you guys, you don't care if your wife has a girlfriend or two, okay? That's how we pursue God. <laughs> I know. I know. I've, I'm speaking to a little more mature audience here. But here's my point. We pursue God like he's one of a bunch of things rather than the only thing. Folks, he's either the pearl of great price and nothing comes close. Or he's Nothing. That's why he is so vehement about idols and idolatry. He's not going to just be one among many. He's going to be the God. He's going to be the prize that we pursue. And so we have to pursue him with all of our heart. We don't, you know, don't just show up on Sunday morning and go through the motions. Okay? Either come ready to go. Or stay home. I mean, that's just, that's just it. If, if your heart's not in the place it needs to be, you're not gaining any merit by coming here. Okay? We live in grace. Not merit. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. But you know what? We go after God with all our heart, and we love Him. So, Nelson, this is not the way to grow a church. Well, God planted, called me to plant a church that goes after God. He'll grow it. Okay? If we'll fall in love with Jesus, people will come, okay? Because they want to be loved. They want to be loved. Listen to me. Intimacy with God doesn't make us spiritually elite. What it does do is it births a new quality of life in us. And that life is both abundant and eternal. And it's a life that that is experienced, You see, Christianity was meant to be experienced. It was not just a a faith between the ears of the mind. It's important that we think and that we understand and that that we, 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 we read Scripture and we study it. But it's also to be experienced. 
You see, God didn't just speak from heaven and say, Adam, don't eat of that tree. God showed up. And the couple, Adam and Eve, walked with God in a relationship day by day. It was a relational, experiential faith. Nothing's changed. Jesus came and became one of us. Why? So that people could experientially see and understand who God was. John says that Jesus exegeted the Father. Literally, John, uh, the, the word there is, is He showed us the Father. The, the Greek word is exegete. And what it means is he, he, he pulled aside everything that covered God and showed us what God was like. Who God was in the flesh. That's who Jesus was. It's experiential. Not just head. Okay? Many of us grew up in a head faith. But it's also an experiential faith. And so, Christianity is supposed to be experienced. And so we're going to actively pursue God and seek an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ with all of our heart. Core value number two. We're going to be a praying church rather than a church that just prays. And you, you may say, well, Nelson, that's just, kind of, uh, that's just kind of words. No, there's a difference. Okay, and if you'll hang with me, I, I, I hope I can show it to you. True prayer, genuine prayer doesn't start with us. Genuine prayer starts in the heart of God. And He reveals it to us so that we know how to pray. A church that learns to listen to the heartbeat of God will understand the will of God. When you know the will of God and you pray the will of God, guess what happens to your prayers? They get answered. Jesus prayed the will of the Father, and what happened? His prayers were answered. I love it when, when, when I don't like it exactly what happens to Peter, but I love what Jesus says. When, when, when P Peter says, Lord, I, you know, I'm not going to deny you. Jesus says, yes, you will. You'll deny me three times. But I have prayed for you. And when you are restored. I mean, he's speaking as though it was already a reality. And the reason? It was. It was the will of God. That Peter be restored. He knew what, what Peter would do. And so folks we have been called. To listen to God's heartbeat. But you can't hear the heartbeat of God. If you don't have a relationship with God. Or you have little relationship with God. When we pray the will of God. We always encounter the presence of God. And we walk in the power of God. And that's what every Christian should want. The presence of God. And the power of God. They're inseparable. You get both. You don't get the power without the presence. But if you're in the presence, the power is there. Folks, there are tons and tons and tons of prayers being lifted up over this, out of, over this country this morning. All over this country. But you know what many of them are? Bless me. Bless my family. Bless mine, bless this, bless that. Instead of listening to the heartbeat of God and finding out what God wants prayed this morning. You see, God has specific prayer assignments for those that will come to Him and say, God, what do I pray for this morning? Listen, God knows what we need. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking for what you need, okay? Don't, don't hear me say that. But what I need sometimes is just to listen. And pray what he wants. 
Because there are others who have greater needs than I have. And in doing that, what happens? He meets my needs. It's like serving. When you, when you begin to serve people and love people, God begins to meet your needs as well. It's, it just happens. It just happens. And so we need to, to listen. Prayer is often and too often about us talking rather than listening to God. What I've found in, in my Christian life is the more I follow God and the closer I am to Him and the more I know Him, the less I talk in prayer and the more I listen. I just, I just, I've studied, I've studied some, some, some godly men and women of old, and it seems to be, that seems to be the, the path. The closer they get to God, the less they talk, and they listen. When, when I'm in the presence of someone that is older and wiser, or someone who is better educated, I use this rule of thumb. I have two ears, one mouth. I try to use my ears twice as much as I use my mouth. I listen. And what I have learned is that when I listen, I learn things. There's great wisdom in that. And so God has called us just just to listen to Him. It's just to listen to Him. We have to learn to listen. Praying churches listen, and then they pray. Churches that pray, pray, and pray. And pray, and pray, and pray. By the way, that's what we do here on Wednesday night. We listen and we pray. We don't have a sermon. I don't teach a Bible lesson. We don't have a prayer list per se. We ask God to come. We ask the Holy Spirit to come, show us what to pray for, and we just get quiet. And we may sit here 10 or 15 minutes and nobody say a word out loud. Now, I know that makes people uncomfortable because when we first started doing it, it made me really uncomfortable because we've learned or we've, we've conditioned ourselves if nobody's talking, nobody's praying. But the reality of it is everybody here is praying. They're going after God. They're trying to find out what He wants. And, and every so often somebody voices a prayer. And it's amazing how God ministers to us, how He ministers to, to those who are here that have needs, or, or how He ministers to someone who's come to visit that wants us to pray for Him. So on Wednesday nights, what, that's what we do. We listen to God speak, and we listen to Him disclose His heart. Otherwise, folks, our prayers are nothing more than talking to ourselves. Talking to ourselves. I, I, I always chuckle when I read, I think it's in John, where the Pharisee, the rich man, stood on the corner and he prayed with his head up. And there's nothing wrong with praying with your head up and your arms lifted up. But it was basically, God, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And his prayers were right about here. There's another guy, he's called a publican, which just means he was just basically living life the best he could. Probably a, a notorious sinner in the eyes of the religious world. But here's what he was doing. Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said that that man went home justified, not the religious guy. 
who was praying, oh God, you are so lucky to have me. Because that's what he was praying. We have to learn to listen to God. Because when we hear his voice, one word from God, one name, one face on our mind, and we pray, it changes the world. It literally does. It changes reality in somebody's life. Prayer is not about bless me, bless me, bless me. It's about, God, what do you want us to pray this morning? What, how, where do you want us to go to war and focus your attention, Lord? That's what prayer is. So we want to be a praying church rather than a church that prays. Core value number three. Listen to me when I say this. We will find our identity in Christ, not in activities for Christ. Okay. We will find our identity in Christ, not activities in Christ. This one discovery... If, if we'll just make it, is a powerful tool of transformation. Listen to me. Being is far more important in the kingdom of God than doing. Being, who you are, who God created you to be, is far more important than anything that we can do. I mean, my early life in the church was job, job, busy, busy, busy. And then I graduated to the notorious nominating committee where you find people to do things. That was the longest three or four months of my life. I vowed when I got off that I will never, ever, ever be on another nominating committee. Okay? We shouldn't have to find people to do the things that need to be done. God calls people to do those things. We get to do those things, whatever they are. But being is far more in doing. Who we are in Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. And once we discover who Christ says we are, and we begin to live out that amazing identity, it transforms every other relationship in our life. It transforms everything. Listen to me. If you know Jesus this morning, you are a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ. A son or a daughter of God. You're the, you are the child of the Creator. You know what? That should do something to you. Man, that ought to make your backbone, if it's been a little bit, straighten up. It ought to lift your head up a little bit if all you do is look down. It ought to give you a, a little cockiness in your walk. Okay? You say, well, Nelson, I don't know. If, yeah. I mean, if you know who you belong to, you walk differently. You think differently. You act differently. There's an air about you. And I don't mean an arrogant air. I just mean people know. You know, something, there's something different about old Bill there. There's something different. Folks, I'm going to constantly, till my dying breath, remind you of who Scripture says you are. Okay? I just believe that's my responsibility as a shepherd. We are the sheep, okay? But we are the sons and the daughters of God. Let that crab hole. I don't want to, you know, that's almost jumping up and down stuff. When that, when that settles inside of us. I'm going to preach and I'm going to teach that identity until you discover it and you get hold of it. Why? Because if you don't ever understand it, you will never understand the heart of God. You will never understand why this book was written. 
This will always, if you don't understand who you are and who Christ is, this book will always be a book of rules and regulations. And it's not. This is a love letter from the king to his children. This book contains the promises that he says are ours. That Jesus said are yes and amen. That are done. This book is our inheritance. It lets us know beforehand. I mean this is the will and testament of God. If you want to just put it in, in plain terms. That's what a covenant is. It's the, it's the will and the testament. This is what you get. And it, you know what? If you go to the last chapter. We win. I don't care where you're at or how bad it is. We win. And we don't just win by the skin of our teeth. It's a glorious thing when Jesus comes. Folks, God is not angry. He's not mad. He's not upset at you. Listen to me. You are his baby boy or his baby girl. Okay? Just think about that. Just think about that. You are the, you're the baby boy, the baby girl. You're, you're the, 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 Jesus, God says this, you're the apple of my eye. The apple of my eye. Literally, what he's saying there is you are like the pupil of my eye. You are ever before my face. Your names are inscribed on the palms of my hand. But if you don't know who you are, you will never grasp anything that God has for you. Now listen, you can believe the lies of the devil. Or you know what? You can rise up and reclaim what you have been given, which is an identity. Listen to me. Ability. What you can do does not define who you are. I'm going to say that again. Your abilities, your capabilities do not define who you are. God defines you. He says you are this. And when he says you are this, no one argues with him. Because he does not lie. God defines you. And that definition is discovered in who you are, your identity, who you are in Christ. And we're going to pursue that until somebody gets hold of that and really understands it and the top blows off this place. Okay? We're going to go after it till, till a handful of us get that. And we start living at a different level. We're going to find our identity in Christ, not in the activities of Christ. You see, there are lots of religious things that we can do. There are a lot of biblical things that we can do. They're important. But those things do not make us. They don't define who we are. They're just things. Some of them are very important in the disciplined life of a believer. But they don't make believers. Jesus makes believers. Jesus transforms us into sons and daughters. He says we are in Christ. I have placed you in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we are. Not we will be. We are the sons and the daughters of God. You say, well, you don't know where I'm at in my life. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know what I've done. You know what? The blood of Christ, if you know Jesus Christ, covers it. Okay? It covers it. It's past. You're a new creation. I could preach this till I died up here, okay? 
I got one more value and we're going home. All right. Core value number four, we will actively pursue the spirit-filled life Jesus promised us. Okay? Say, so, uh-oh. Listen, the last thing Jesus told his disciples before he ascended into heaven was this. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. You shall receive power when my spirit comes upon you. Folks, there's a reason for that. There's a reason that he told them to, to wait or to use the King James word to tarry in Jerusalem. Because without the Holy Spirit, we can't live the Christian life. You can't live it with willpower. Okay? And even besides that, you will never be a witness for Jesus Christ unless the power of God resides in your life. And you can't do that without being filled with the Holy Spirit. The life Jesus died to give us can only be lived through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what? I don't want to be an average Christian. I don't want to be average at anything. I want to, I want to take that next step above average. Average is like milk toast. It's bland. Y'all know what bland food tastes like? I hate bland food. I either want it to taste really bad or really good. I don't want it to be in the middle. I just don't. Average, you know what? Average is not good. Education in this country is designed to average out children. Those that struggle and those that are brilliant. And the problem is they all struggle in it. Because this doesn't meet their need and this holds them back. God never intended for us to be average. He intended for us to walk with Him and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus died to give us a life that can only be lived through the power of the Holy Spirit. There, there are churches all over this world that are filled with powerless men and women huddled together begging Jesus to come back. Now you know what? I want the Lord to come back. But I'm not hiding in a foxhole somewhere with my head, you know, with my helmet pulled down over my head going, oh God, oh God, oh God, please come get me. Because that's not what he left us to do. He left us to walk this planet in the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever that looks like for you. Okay? It's going to look different for all of us. But he's called us to walk in that power, not to huddle in some foxhole and just, and do nothing. See, Powerless Christianity is an oxymoron. Those two words don't go together. Because if you're a believer, you have Jesus living on the inside of you. you are, you're supposed to have the Spirit of God in you. You can't be powerless. Okay? Listen to me. God will not do for us what He's already given us the power and the ability and the authority to do. That's just a spiritual reality. You can pray and pray and pray. There are some things that you are just supposed to step out. And to call into existence. Okay. There are things that you are supposed to do. That, that you know what? Until you take that step. They're never going to get done. You say well what happens if it doesn't happen? You take another step. Okay? You take another step. God's not going to leave you out there on the end of the limb. 
by yourself. He's not going to let you wander off. If you've got a relationship with you and you're going after his heart, he won't let you do stupid things. The problem is not people doing stupid things. The problem is people are not doing anything. We just meet in church, sing some songs, hear a rousing sermon, and go about our life and nothing happens. And the world is headed to hell in a handbasket. Okay? God has called us to make a difference in the world. We're to be witnesses. We're to be visible pictures of who Jesus is. And the only way we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Scripture's very plain. It's very clear. In John 14, verse 12, and it's not going to be up on the screen, but you'll know the verse, that Jesus intended for all of us to do the work He had done and even greater things. That's what He says. For those who have faith in me, you'll do the things that I've done and even greater things. I got to tell you, when I read that verse, it, it blew my religious world up. I mean, I took a step back from it and I thought, hmm, I wonder what that means. It can't mean what it says it means. And so I dug into it. I got out my Greek Bible, I looked all the words up, parsed all the words. Guess what? It means the same thing in the Greek that it means in the English. It's a pretty straightforward translation. I mean, in fact, it's, it translates better in English than it does in Greek. The reality of it is, is Jesus said, you can do the things that I did and even greater things. Why? Because he did them. And he was going to the Father. And when he got to the Father, he was going to send the person who empowered him to do what he did. Not just to rest on us, but to live in us. We're like thermos jugs full of the Holy Spirit everywhere we go. Okay? We're not filled with coffee and garbage like that. We've got the Holy Spirit within us. We've got the Holy Spirit within us. For that to be a reality... Folks, we got to be filled up daily by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not experiencing God's power in your life, then you need to begin praying for a filling of His Spirit. You just need to ask Him. Scripture says, will not, I mean, He talks about, you know, if a father, if a child asks for a fish, will you give him a, a snake? If he asks for bread, will you give him a rock? How much more so will the Father not give those who ask His Holy Spirit? The problem is, we have not, because we ask not. Okay? It's, it's, I mean, the Bible goes together. Y'all realize that? The book of James? It just, it just mirrors Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They mirror each other. They go together. They're written as a unity. They're written by different people, but they're written by the Holy Spirit, who had one message to convey. And folks... If we'll settle for less, we will receive less. The enemy will make sure of that. But if we won't settle, God will pour out more than we can contain. We will become what Jesus said, river. there will begin to be rivers of living water flow up and out of us. If you don't have any power today, then you need to ask for it. You need to pray for a filling of the Spirit. I mean, Scripture calls it a baptism, an immersion of power and fire. That's what Jesus promised. 
So therefore, we're going to pursue the presence of Jesus. And we're going to pursue the power that he gives us through the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be afraid of what might happen. I've been in churches, I've served in churches that were more afraid of what might happen than what could happen. Okay? God's not the God of confusion. God's not the God of craziness. He's the God of order. But he's also a God of power. And listen, power doesn't always look like we think it should look. Sometimes it's just overwhelming. Okay? So we're not going to fear what might be or could happen. We're going to pray and go after God hungering for more of his presence, more of his power, more of his spirit. We don't have to fear the Holy Spirit. We don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Okay? All we have to do is ask for more of him. And then we have to surrender. You know what will happen? He'll do the rest. He'll do the rest. God has called us to actively seek an imminent relationship with Jesus Christ. He's called us to be a praying church, not just a church that prays. He's called us to find our identity in Jesus Christ, not in activities for Christ. And he's called us to actively pursue the spirit-filled life that Jesus has promised us. And if we'll do those things, and, and the other six I'm going to share the next time, folks, we'll reach that vision. We'll, we'll be able to, to, to fulfill the vision that we have to exist as a church, to intimately pursue the heart of God, and intentionally provide a place of refuge where broken souls can be restored through a life-changing relationship to God. When we say this is a place of, of refuge, restoration, and relationship. We're just not, those three words, I, we just didn't come up with those because they start with an R and they sound good together. They're not just catchy, okay? We said those because that's what we're here for. We're here to love God and to love people. And you know what? If we don't love God, we're not going to love people. And if we don't love people, God said we don't love Him. Jesus said you can't love your brother. I mean, you can't hate your brother and love God. James said that. So we're here to love God and to love people. I'm going to ask you to just bow your head for a few minutes. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.